Good morning. Take a minute and go say good morning to people that you haven't had a chance to say good morning to for a while. Introduce yourself. Tell them something about you can stand and do this. You can't do it sitting down. Say hello to your family. We're a family here. Catch up on some gossip. If there's someone in the back you don't know, go introduce yourself to them. I see people way in the back that need to have somebody say, my name is. Imagine going to dinner at your family's home and just saying, who are you? Or just pretending like a person that you don't know their name is in your family. Pretty weird, right? We do that all the time, though, in church. What does the Word of God say? It tells us, in Ephesians 2.19, it says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And actually, the word there is reminding us that we're in a household together. A lot of the, the scripture, um, when it's translated, they use the word household. It really indicates what's a household where people dwell together. They know each other. They know each other's likes. How many of you can tell me what your brother's favorite food is? Like you remember what your brother, if you know what's your brother's favorite food. I remember when Jay and Christy were little, Christy always wanted to go to McDonald's. Jay always wanted to go to Burger King. We all knew if we said, where are we going? We, Jay would be the loudest. We'd probably go to Burger King, right? <laughs> um, so we're in the household of faith. So church is a family with God as the head of the household. So we literally are members of the same family. So every single family has to have some organization. And they, in order to get to any journey, you kind of have to know where you're going, right? And every organization has, and it doesn't matter what the organization is set up for any purpose, they have to have yeses and they have to have noes. Would you agree with that? Like in, in the, the family of the United States of America, we know what a red stop sign means. It literally means for us to write. We know. And it's not there like stop because I'm, you know, just going to be powerful. We're, we're stopping because we don't want to get killed. There has to be some processes, right? So there's some good no's. There's some good stops. But in the church, I think we've kind of struggled a little bit with making church seem like a journey to Noville. We know all the no's. Imagine if, if you're bringing your kids on a journey and you say, hey kids, we're on a journey, we're going to gather in, I'm going to give you a few um, 
clarifications of what we're going to do on this journey. Um, this is kind of what church has felt like a little bit to some of us. Um, you know, I want to clarify a few things, kids. We're headed on this journey to eternity. And um, on our journey, I want to let you know, we're not stopping at Reptile Rendezvous. You know why? Because Satan appeared to Eve as a snake. So there will be no reptile watching. And don't try to get us to go to crumbs and coffee because you know what that is, gluttony and addiction. We're not going there. And some of you seem interested in wild wizardry and mysterious things and... Uh, we're not going to Mystery Mountain. The only mysteries we're going to talk about are the mysterious works of the Lord. And no talking when we're passing majestic mountains because we're going we're to enjoy um, God's creative works. And, you know, no stopping unless it's on the agenda. We might accidentally run into Satan's works without knowing it because we didn't research it properly. And the big no, no Santa station. I know it sounds fun to ride that train to the North Pole, but Jesus was not born at the North Pole. And most of all, everyone have a good time. Oh, and you know, we have a hotspot Wi-Fi. It's Jesus sees you. No sinfully delicious anything. All the desserts we order will be angel food cake. And you know, this is kind of what happens in the church and in parenting. You're just giving your kids this endless list of no, 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 no. You cannot do this. You can't. And when kids talk about church, they are intimately aware of what the no's are. You know, no premarital sex, no drunkenness, no um, gossip, no backbite. There, and there's a list of, of no's in the word for sure. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of yeses in the word too. And we're going to talk about five things we need to say yes to. So number one, every single person in this room that has a relationship with Jesus came into that relationship with Jesus the same way. That was because Jesus paid a price for you as a sinner. We all started our eternal journey recognizing that we had an eternal destination that needed to get decided. And the way we became a member of the household of faith was by choosing an eternity where a price had been paid for our sins. Every single one of us that have come to know Christ. So, number one thing we need to say yes to is an eternal perspective. Now, years and years and years ago, Jay was uh, almost four. Christy was 18 months. Christy had gotten potty trained and... Uh, she was very interested in all the bathrooms everywhere. Any bathroom anywhere, she wanted to swing by it and check it out. And we were, um, Phil was um, traveling at that time, and we were actually headed to go 
to go meet him. We were in the Orlando airport. It was me and Jay, Christy, our child um, diaper bag that had two children's different age stuff that you put in diaper bags. Some of you are still living in that journey. Um, I had a stroller upon which to put the diaper bag, but it only fit one kid. And so we were passing in the Orlando airport. Every 100 feet or so is a bathroom, and Christy needed to go to every single one of them. So we pulled into this bathroom. Where does a mom go with all this stuff? You go into that really big handicap stall, right? You got to do that. You got to get in that handicap stall. And, you know, I'm getting, picking Christy up, getting her all situated. And had brought Jay in with me, the diaper bag and the stroller and everything's in there. All of a sudden I hear gagging. And I turn around and Jay is not in the stall. He has crawled out from under the stall, taken himself out into the bathroom, picked up something which I later found out was a penny, put it in his mouth and choked. So I ran into the hall and started yelling for help and really they must have that happen a lot there because everyone acted like that was something that happened every single day and no one came in to help me. So I went back in and you know, did what moms do, did the Heimlich, did the padding, did the, you know, all the things you do in that kind of a situation. And all of a sudden, Jay gulped and he swallowed what we later found out was a penny. Well, that day um, continued because we were headed at that time through the airport to the people mover so that we could get to our flight. So I am traumatized as a mom. How many of you have ever been traumatized as a mom? I'm really traumatized. And I'm just, you know, thinking of all the reasons why I should not be traveling by myself. And finally, I, I get all the stuff together, start going down that hall, and we're pretty close to the people mover. And all of a sudden, Jay just bolts away from me and just runs as fast as he can. And he gets there long before I could get there with a stroller, with a baby, with all the diaper bag. And the doors are just about to shut, and he pops his, his little body right into that people mover. And it, the doors close, and away goes my kid. And I am hysterical. Now, the guy who happened to be standing near the door heard me screaming and yelling. And so, thank goodness, he just took Jay by the hand. And when I got off the people mover, Jay and that man were standing there waiting for me. Let me tell you, along this journey, you are going to have some stuff that happens. Right? When we're, when we're headed somewhere, we don't always make perfect decisions and we don't always arrive at, at places um, with every single thing going the way we thought it was going to go. And that's true for our spiritual journey too. We're literally 
a family trying to go somewhere. And we have mishaps along the way. We have people who climb out underneath the bathroom toilet and go choke themselves. <laughs> we have people who literally hop onto, uh, you know, transport that w without the proper supervision. And we, you know, we're a family. Things happen. How many of you have had things happen in your family? But I'm going to tell you that understanding that if we are going to view eternity as the destination, if our corporate destination is eternity, we will not get there without recognizing where we're going. We're not going to Noville, guys. We have an eternal destination. And it's not about the yeses and the noes. It's about where we're going. My family eventually got to where we were going. I have no idea how, but we did. The word is clear that we're not to work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. So I want to talk about how do we strategize for the eternal. Well, in our church, we've chosen to make our focus um, the only thing that will not pass away. And that is the word of the Lord and the people he made. People have an eternal destination. That's why we're going to, as a corporate entity, as an organization, we're going to choose people. Um, we're also not going to choose perfect people because the word says, whosoever. That means the whosoever's. And so if we're going to get to where we're going, we're going to have, we're going to have to say yes to what is eternal. Now, how do we do that? Well, for my life, my mom and dad were real interested in the eternal. And I remember my mom did some subtle things. Like, they weren't super subtle at all. It was uh, Saturday night was bath night. Lay out the clothes night get everything ready because our family perspective was the most important day of our week was Sunday. Why? We were going to a building where there were people who were going to worship with us and we were a part of that family. And so even though they had a lot of kids, when I was little they had five, eventually they had seven, but when the five of us were little, you know, it was a lot of people. And, you know, Judy was the oldest and Andy was the littlest and it was just like stair steps, you know? And there was a lot of wrangling. You, we, we all wore like those ruffly socks and, you know, dresses had to be ironed and it was a lot of work. Saturday started preparing for the eternal. In our culture today, we, we fit in our, our household of faith into our 
our schedule, our family schedule. And really the word is encouraging us that the household of faith is something that we are to be engaged in and purposing because it's, it's about the eternal. So I want to encourage you to pick, to pick activities in your life that support the eternal. And just ask yourself that question, is this part of what matters? Is this, is this eternity? Number two, say yes to the difficult. Um, somewhere in that same year that I had that wonderful experience on the, um, on the airplane and in the airport, Phil was traveling that year, and um, we, were, we had flown to meet him, and we had a rental car, and so we were headed... In Florida, there's roads that have the ocean on one side and the ocean on the other side, and not anything else in between. You know, it's just kind of like you're, if you, you kind of are going to the ocean or you're going somewhere a long ways away. And so we were headed somewhere a long ways away, and there was the ocean. And so I had packed a lunch, and we thought, well, we'll just, we'll just pull over and swim a little bit, let the kids get out of the car, let them run around a little bit. We'll enjoy our day as we're headed to where we're going. So we did, and um, we'd been in the ocean about 15 minutes, and everybody was having a great time, and I noticed this really big, big, dark cloud. Like, it was getting darker and darker and scarier, and by the way, we did not have... Siri telling us what the weather was. We did not have, if you listen to the radio, you might be able to sit there long enough to finally get to a weather update, but they really didn't care that much about the weather. They were trying to, you know, they were just trying to play good music. And so we, we were there. We didn't know there was going to be a massive storm, and it came fast. So I said to Phil, we got to get out of this water, and we got to get our kids in the car because I don't, you know, it's thundering over there in the distance, and so we gathered our children and all of our stuff from the, you know, you get the sand out. It's a big process. If you go to the ocean with children, it's like, mm, why did I do this? And we get to the car, and Phil's like, hmm, where, where, where's the, where's the key to the rental car? I'm like, and the rental car's locked because we had to lock it because we were on a road where nobody else was, just the ocean. I do not know why we, we locked that car, but we locked it up tight. Now, the, the storm is coming, and it is like scary coming, thundering lightning in the distance. Feels like, I, I don't know. I don't know where that key is. We looked in the sand, we tra retraced ourselves. I'm starting to feel panicky. I'm thinking I married the stupidest person on the planet. <laughs> thinking there is no one stupider in all of the universe. Finally, Phil says, you know, I, I, I put that key in my pocket of my bathing suit. And that's when it was confirmed that I had married <laughs> the stupidest person on the planet. I was so upset. So he has this, this, you know, panic look on his face, and he stopped and he prayed. 
Now we are talking about the ocean. This is not a pool. This is an ocean. He stopped and he prayed, storm is coming, lightning, scary, we're huddled by the car. Phil walks, walks directly into the ocean, and I watch with my eyes him bend down once, and when he came up, he had that rental key. Listen, God cares about Phil McCutcheon. He had a little favor with the Lord. Now, why do we say yes to the difficult? Well, I'll tell you a couple reasons. Because we want to tell our kids stories like that. About how when we're doing something and we're in the process of our journey, our eternal journey, we maybe did something dumb. Maybe we left the key in our pocket. Or maybe we, you know, just ruined our family's, you know, uh, peace because of bad behavior we had or whatever all the things on our eternal journey that happen, we will do difficult things because it gives God an opportunity to show up. And we can tell our kids about difficulties. And our kids can tell their kids about when God showed up. Think about that dumb journey those people took all through the desert on the way to the promised land. These were complaining, dumb people. And then the word tells them to tell it to the next generation, all the wondrous things that the Lord has done. You're on a journey to eternity, and doing difficult things makes room for God to do the impossible. What happened in the word? When Martha and Mary are sitting there and they're just so distraught because their brother has died and he is dead as dead can be. The, the, they've put him inside a place where they don't have to smell him. And Jesus comes and Jesus didn't go puff and raise him from the dead. No, that's not what happened. He said to the people, Roll the stone away. Real difficult thing to do. Those things were big. And they rolled that stone away, and when they did the difficult, God did the impossible in their life, right? And Lazarus was raised from the dead. We have to do difficult things every day. Let me tell you about them. It's difficult to bring your body to this building on a consistent basis. You know why? Because your life and the way you've arranged it is going to get in the way of that. But if you do the difficult, God will do the impossible in your life. It's difficult to control your tongue and to have a soft answer that turns away wrath. But if you do the difficult, you'll make room for peace. Say yes to the difficult. Say yes to sticking out things that maybe you would not stick out because you don't know the end of every story. Maybe you're doing a ministry. It doesn't feel like you're very successful at it. Keep saying yes. You have no idea the end of someone's story that you're going to be included in. 
do the difficult. Let's be a church that does difficult things. Let's go ahead and agree to keep serving families in the blessing tree. I have so many stories I could tell you guys about room in the city and how, you know, in some ways that's been a very difficult ministry. It's, you know, finding people to clean that space, uh, finding, um, you know, just maintaining and managing it. But we have story after story of God's presence in the middle of chaos for people's lives. So we keep doing it. It's difficult. But God keeps showing up. We need to be a family that says yes to the difficult. Say yes to be the hero. And I want to say false humility is just another form of laziness. All of us know about a hungry crowd. Every one of you knows hungry people. If that little boy had said, oh, I just have little fish and loaves. I, I don't have much. You know what he said? He said, this is all I got, but you can have it. Be a hero. Say yes to being a hero in your home. You know, many, many, many dads have chosen the real lazy way out. They haven't chosen, they haven't chosen to... Um, to give what they have, which is the authority that God has put in their life to bring direction, to bring peace. Um, God has prepared you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Be a hero. Number four, say yes to doing the right thing. James 4.17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it's sin. And then number five, and I, and I really hope this one will help you, because the church really matters with this one. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Say yes. And when I say say yes, it means purpose. Move your life in this direction. Start ordering your life for this purpose. Say yes to living your life in a companion of wise people. How do I know someone is wise? Well, imagine that you tell me you are a gardener. And you say, you know, I got a plot of land, and I'm going to till the soil. And, you know, I love gardening. I've gone to all the gardening clubs. And, I, and I'm on a Facebook group with gardeners, and I watch all the YouTube gardening videos there are. And I... Um, I actually, uh, my hero is, is a gardener, uh, Gardener Gus, and we're, you know, that's my, that's my hero. And, and imagine if that person just really has explained how much they like the idea of gardening. 
And then one day, you get invited to their home, and they take you out to their plot. And it's a plot of land that they had told you they planted tomatoes and cucumbers and and green beans and squash and butternut squash and 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 you know even a little corn and you go and you look and when you survey that plot of land all you see is weeds so maybe you don't say you know you're a terrible gardener but here's what you do say to yourself if I want to be a gardener I'm going to find somebody who's got some tomatoes who's got some cucumbers who's got some green beans who's got some corn wisdom is very clear the fruit of our lives represent the wisdom. And the word of God tells us to make companions of those whose lives not are perfect, but who are wise. And in this culture, we have this discomfort with ever saying our fruit should match our words. We want to speak everything into existence. But I will tell you, if you make the eternal the most important thing in your life, and in this building, this church, if we make the eternal the most important thing in our church family, and we are willing to do the difficult things that God has called us to do, leadership that is difficult, and choices that are difficult, and priorities that are difficult, if we're willing to be heroes and show up to our culture and our world in places where we could never have imagined, if we're willing to do what is right, then I'm telling you, we will have a huge body of people who have wisdom that can tell the next generation how to love God, love one another, love their children. And that's the scriptural mandate, that the old people in the church are to teach the young people. And if you've been a Christian for a while, who are you teaching? And what are you actively doing to share the wisdom that God has given you? Go in your backyard, check your garden. Good news, weeds can be pulled up. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, I pray for every family that's in this building. Thank you that we're a family together, that you've called us to be people who can honor you and serve you, and that we get to do it imperfectly together, and that we are all going to have days where our family's in chaos, and we're in the middle of an airport with somebody running away, or we have not perfectly thought through where we put our keys. Or 
We're going to keep giving you opportunity to show up with your supernatural power. But to the best of our ability, Lord Jesus, help us to be a community of believers that's committed to saying yes to the things that will radically impact our world and our children's world and the household of faith at 15 Cape Road. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great rest of your day.